The Mets extend their lead in the NL East three and a half games, winning four out of five versus the Braves, backed by dominant pitching performances by their two aces, Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. Does this make them the team to beat in the National League? I'll answer that and bring you up to speed on all of the division and wildcard races in baseball. NFL preseason is underway, and the 2022 Hall of Fame class has been enshrined in Canton. Did yours truly watch? Plus more turmoil in Cleveland as the Browns have to deal with another issue as Kareem Hunt has requested a trade, but the front office has said no. Gearing up for another fun-filled, fast-paced sports podcast to kick off a new week, it's all coming up, but first, this message. What has happened to my good people? Thank you so much for passing by to listen to me wax poetic as I talk about anything and everything that's happening in the world of sports. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm on all available platforms. You could also go to the website at www.jreels.com for more information about yours truly, the podcast, archive shows, etc. All I want to do is increase the visibility of this podcast, so please throw me a few stars, write a review. It will go a long way into getting the word out. Even take a screenshot, send it to your friends, send it to me on social media. I'm more than happy, willing, able, and open to get your feedback on what it is that you enjoy most about the J Reels podcast. So with that being said, let's hit it. The J Reels podcast begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The sports rebel without a pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it, he is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, direct, and in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J. Rills Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? How's everybody doing out there? What is the latest and greatest? Hope everybody's doing well, feeling fantastic, in excellent spirits. The temperature over the last few days have remained as high as you could possibly be. It's expected to do so today in the Northeast as summer continues its wrath on all of us. But am I complaining about it? Hell no. Bring it on, as it can never get hot enough for me during these dog days of August. I'm about to turn up the heat myself as I get into all that's going on in the world of sports. Glad to have you stop by as this is the J Reels Podcast with your host, J Reels. For my first-timers, welcome aboard. And for those who have been banging with me, going back to the very beginning, somewhere in the middle, or even as early as this past Thursday, I welcome you guys and gals back. Not too much to get into today, as we are slogging through this summer, slogging through the early portion of August. I know things will start to turn a little bit. I'll get into some NFL preseason Hall of Fame weekend in Canton. Did I even watch a nanosecond of it? I'm sure you know the answer to that, but I'll get into that later on, as well as what's happening with the Browns. Now they have another issue that's arisen with one of their players. No, nothing off the field as we've witnessed with Deshaun Watson here over the last, God knows, seems like it's forever with Watson. But now that we have Kareem Hunt also in the mix, That throws another wrinkle into what's happening in the Brown camp. He has requested a trade, but the front office has said, "Uh uh-uh, not going to happen. I'll get into that as well as whatever else is happening in the National Football League. I know you have an issue with Matthew Stafford with his elbow. Maybe that's something to keep an eye on. 
I'll touch on that later. But as we know, at the current state of sports, with college football soon to be part of our consciousness, and with the NFL now, you could say, not in full swing, but is a part of our consciousness as of right this moment, although I can't really pay attention to it 100%, especially the games on the field. But here we are, getting into the middle of the month, and the National League East, I'm going to start there, people, you know the Mets are a big story, not only just here in New York, but pretty much throughout baseball because of what we saw this weekend at City Field. And as I mentioned on the podcast Thursday, I said in order for this series to really stick, one of the two teams had to win at least four out of five. And the reason being is that they would either, for the Mets, gain three games in the standings, or for the Braves, gain three games in their own right. So what we saw over the course of these past four days, five games total, the Mets were able to win four of those five games, including the back three, which for the first time all year, the Braves have now gotten themselves into a three-game losing streak, if you could believe that. Because we know the Braves have gotten off to such a slow start. They were under 500, I believe, sometime in the middle or latter part of May. Because if you recall, the Mets had a 10.5 game lead, I believe, right after Memorial Day. And then here it was just about two weeks ago to where they had the slimmest of margins. Just a half game lead going into that Sunday game. Off the top of my head, I don't think it was against Miami, but they have come all the way back to the point where they were double digits behind in the division to just a half game back. And now they look up at the Mets, six and a half games, seven in a loss. And does this mean that the NL East is over? Absolutely not. So although today it's good to be a Met fan, although today it's great to see what had transpired over the weekend, and I'll get to that in a second, but by any means, this division is far from over. In fact, we will reacquaint ourselves with the Braves next Monday for four games down at Truist Park. So to think that we could start jumping up and down, we could start breaking out the pom-poms, we have the Reds coming in, which you think we should be able to at least beat them two out of three, but the Reds have actually played pretty well here, considering they just came off of a series where they beat the Brewers in Milwaukee two out of three. So as much as we could look at what happened over the weekend and say, oh, this should be a piece of cake, as they continue their homestand, an 11-game homestand at that, that we'll get to in a minute. When we take a look at what had happened, and I'll start off by saying this, other than the game Friday night where Taiwan Walker did not have it to the point where he got the back of his cleat, caught on the mound, and he pretty much dribbled the ball, not even to the plate, if you watched, and then he gave up a three-run bomb to Eddie Rosario. Before you know it, it was 8 nothing. when you went into the bottom of the second inning. And even though the Mets chipped away and chipped away, but they fell to the Braves there Friday night 9-6. Other than that game, they showed who was the better team throughout the weekend. They had considerable leads out of the gate Thursday, both games Saturday, and even yesterday, to where Jacob deGrom was perfect. 17 up, 17 down before he gave up a walk and then a home run to Dansby Swanson. That's all you need to know about how this weekend took place out in Flushing to where the Mets really showed not only who's boss in the NL East and shown who's the better team, but you could, in fact, argue whether or not this team could be the best in the National League. 
Now, I know people out in L.A. are going to think, what are you, crazy? The Dodgers have the best record not only in the National League, but in the sport overall. They're 74-33, and they've taken care of business in their division by far, sweeping the Padres after sweeping the Giants. And I'll get to the Dodgers in a little bit. But you could actually argue that the Mets could be a tad bit better. And I'll get into that in a minute. But the weekend overall, Alonzo, who is a frontrunner for the National League MVP, and to think that the Mets have been in existence, what, 61 years, and they have never had a regular season MVP. And you would think, as of right now, he would be the guy that if the season ended today, he would be your frontrunner there. I mentioned Jacob DeGrom just a minute ago about his performance yesterday on the heels of what he did in Washington, and I talked about that on the podcast Thursday. But yesterday, you talk about an encore after what Max Scherzer did Saturday night. It was almost as if, okay, Max, touche, my guy. And Max was stupendous, seven innings, four hits, 11 strikeouts, no walks, shutting down the Braves completely. And they won the back end of that doubleheader there on Saturday. And then the Grom yesterday was a textbook performance out of 2018-2019, those back-to-back Cy Young years. And what could you say? If you're a Met fan, you know that you're going to continue to hold your breath because as great as he looked yesterday and as well as he's pitched here in his first two starts, you always wonder when the other shoe is going to drop. And even though in the postgame he said he's felt good all along, that he's pretty much taken his time to get to this point, and I'm sure the Mets have treated him with kick gloves here, knowing that it's all about October. And when you look at this Mets season, that's what it's about here. Because they have been in first place from pretty much day one. They've been able to stem the tide when Scherzer was out May 18th for about five and a half weeks. And now that you have the Grom back, it is all systems go. Granted, you still have to play another, what, 53 games before you even get to October? But this season is shaping up to be a big one. And if you're a Met fan, yes, you can feel good about where you're at today and you can feel good about how this season has gone. But nobody's going to remember this four out of five in August if they lose in a division series or in a championship series or, dare I say, the fall classic. But having those two pitchers at the top of the rotation. If they're going to pitch like this, they're going to be unbeatable. As we know, in a five-game series, one of those two pitchers is going to pitch twice. So whether Scherzer starts game one or DeGrom starts game one, and who knows, that could be a bit of a controversy right there because Scherzer, although he was on the shelf there for about five, five and a half weeks, who gets the ball in game one if DeGrom continues to pitch like this? We all know this is DeGrom's team. That's his staff. Granted that he got here five minutes ago for this 2022 season, but still. Hopefully there's not an egotistical tug of war there. You would think Scherzer would say, hey, Jake's team, if he gets the ball for game one, I don't have a problem with it. But if you have the Grom one, Scherzer two, game five is the Grom. And in a championship series and a world series, games one and two, the Grom, Scherzer, which would mean games five and six, And as long as they win their starts, away we go. But that is way ahead of our schedule here. 
yes, it's good to forecast and project what it would be like once you get to October, but we do not know, as I mentioned, you do have to hold your breath with DeGrom, and maybe to a certain extent even Scherzer, considering his age, and he's already had an injury this year, and that could crop up at any moment. But again, right this moment, it feels really good with how this baseball team has performed so far. And that goes on top of what Alonzo has done and the contributions by Starling Marte, Jeff McNeil, who are both All-Stars, even Eduardo Escobar, who has given a contribution despite the fact he's not had a good year, but he has had some big hits and big spots. And then how could you forget Francisco Lindor? Although he's not going to live up to that contract, and granted that he's pushed his average to 270, and it looked like he was going to be somewhere in the vicinity of 220 to 240 all year, but he has close to 80 RBIs, he has close to 20 home runs, and he's also had a lot of big hits and has been in the middle of a lot of rallies. So, yes, is he worth $34 million a year? Absolutely not. I understand that that was the owner, Steve Cohen's statement to the Met fan that we mean business, that we're going to overpay for this guy to know that we want to bring a World Series to Queens. And then when we look at some of the other pieces... We know about the bullpen. That's going to be the biggest question mark moving forward because do you trust Trevor May? Do you trust even Seth Lugo? Joely Rodriguez, who pitched well yesterday, but he's a guy that you have to really hold your breath and are in pins and needles when it comes to him coming out of the bullpen. Michael Givens, a guy that they got at the trade deadline and did pitch for Buck in Baltimore. I wasn't in favor of the trade. I know he had good numbers in Chicago, but... As we've seen so far, not too good. But let's get to Edwin Diaz because here's a guy that everybody and their mother had his bags packed and just run out of town as early as two years ago. Even last year, had his moments, not a great year overall. The 2020 year, I know he was better, but again, small sample. 2019 was a nightmare of all nightmares. And he has bounced back. Even in your wildest imagination, you couldn't have expected the way he's performed here this season. I mean, the guy has been lights out. And he's been as confident as you've ever seen. Even go back to that game one in Atlanta just a few weeks ago when he shut down the Braves in the ninth inning and then he zipped his lips as he looked to the dugout. And I'm sure he looked at one of his fellow island counterparts Eddie Rosario, and jokingly zipped the lip and had that little smirk at the end. And it made you think that, oh, Edwin, I don't know if I would do that, considering it was July and it was just game one of a series and the Braves, they have fought all the way back to get themselves in a division race. Well, Diaz is continuing to put up and having everybody else shut up. But we all know, October, that's when he's really going to be graded. And we'll worry about that then. Right now, you have to look at what he's done as a potential Cy Young candidate. People even throwing him into the MVP consideration, which I think is a little bit too strong. Is he Willie Hernandez, 1984 Tigers? Look it up. I don't think so. But let's see with how Diaz continues to perform here. And what could you say? He has just been otherworldly here in 2022. And as far as the best team in the National League, 
Of course, you could say the Dodgers by far, and they've done it consistently over the last almost 10 years when you think about it. And they deserve that ranking. Their lineup is as tough as can be. We know who the players are. But here's the thing that the Mets may have an advantage over the Dodgers. And their lineup cannot match up against the Dodgers by any means. Even with Alonzo, even with Lindor, and you could even throw in the other two All-Stars, as I mentioned earlier. But when you have Trey Turner, who's also part of the MVP discussion, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, although you can get him out, but he still is dangerous. Justin Turner, who is not the same player, but come postseason, and especially against the Mets, if you look back, he's just raked against that Mets pitching staff. They do have guys in their lineup that obviously you'd have to pay attention to. But with the recent injury to Clayton Kershaw, who's on the aisle with a back injury, no Walker Bueller, who knows when he's going to return from that strained forearm of his. And yes, they do have Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin I don't believe in. Their starting pitching is a little tattered right now. And their bullpen, although good, but Craig Kimbrell is going to scare you half to death. And he is not a guy that, although he can dial up that fastball and does have the wicked slider, but he is far from his days in Atlanta when he was a dominant closer. And that's where the Mets have the advantage. Rotation, back into the bullpen. And all they have to do is just put up at least four runs a game. You know what their record is when they score at least four runs or more. And if they could do that, they're going to be in good position. Now, can you argue whether or not the Mets are better? They do play the Dodgers at the end of the month. Not to say that it's going to be a measuring stick. And even if the Mets do win two out of three, will that show the world that they're the best team in the National League? No. But just as I mentioned, Met lineup is good. Dodger lineup better. Starting pitching, advantage Mets. Back of the bullpen, advantage Mets. You could argue whether or not that they're better than the Dodgers at this moment. I know a lot of people won't say that. If you ask me, it's close. I probably would give the Dodgers a smidge of an edge based on their recent track record, but we understand it's 2022, it's this year, and even though the Mets, I believe, are what? Four and a half games behind them in the standings for best record overall. But there are some people that could argue at this very moment that the Mets are better, even with the Dodgers having the best record in the National League. I won't say that. It's not a reverse jinx on my team, but it's a good argument for August 8th as we head deeper into the summer. And I'll stick with the Dodgers for a quick second. The Dodgers, as I mentioned before, just swept the Padres out of Dodger Stadium on top of them sweeping the Giants before that. They have done a number on both of those teams this year. In fact, if it wasn't for the Padres, I believe right before the break, getting that one victory at Chavez Ravine, where the Dodgers could have swept them to think they've won, what, six out of the last seven against the Padres, and they swept the Giants coming out of the All-Star break. If you recall, the four games at Dodger Stadium and then four games just this past week up at, I was going to say Candlestick, Oracle Park, AT&T, Pac Bell, whatever their stadium is. So they pretty much have owned the National League West, just like the Mets have owned the National League East for the most part here throughout the course of the year. So the Dodgers, they're riding high with an eight-game winning streak. And then when you look at the NL Central, how about the Cardinals? The Cardinals, who just dusted off the Yankees in fine fashion, and to think, they did it in a myriad of ways. They did it in come-from-behind fashion there on Friday night with two runs in the bottom of the eighth inning to win 4-3. 
They did it in close fashion. Early one nothing lead. Pitching and bullpen led them through the way where Jordan Montgomery shut down his old team. Got the win. Five innings of no-run baseball. And then yesterday, they outslugged the Yankees where the Yankees jumped out to an early lead, 4-1. to one, And then it was back and forth, the seesaw bit. And then the Cardinals did prevail, winning 12-9. Again, seven in a row. Two-game lead over the Brewers, who have really stubbed their toe here over the last week. Got swept by the Pirates. They lost two out of three at home to the Reds. And now they're scuffling, trying to get themselves in order. And their offense isn't great to begin with. They do have a very good pitching staff, as we know. And a good closer now with Devin Williams being anointed as the closer with Josh Hader going to San Diego. But the Brewers are in a little bit of trouble. But considering they're only two back and the Cardinals now ahead, that's a race that's going to be a fight to the finish, you would think, in the NL Central. So kudos to the Cardinals and how they've played here as they've rolled off a lucky seven to put themselves in first place in the NL Central. And then with that being said, as I turn my attention to the American League, the Yankees now losers of five in a row go to Seattle and continue their trip to Boston after that. What could you say about the Yanks here? I don't know. Frankie Montas, how did that work out? I understand it's only one start, but Montas, you got to give him a little bit of a break. Let's see what he does in his next start and start after that. I'm sure there's a little bit of nerves, maybe even a little bit of pressure knowing that the Yankees lost the first two games in a series and he not pitching well in that third game. Clay Holmes, a lot of the bloom is off of that rose, even though he has pitched well this year and has been the surprise closer. But now we've seen balls flying out of ballparks and him not doing well here over the course of the last week or so. So you have to wonder if you're a Yankee fan, do you even think about putting a role this Chapman or slowly but surely grooming him back to be the closer as we get to the end of the year? That's a big giant question mark. You knew that the Yankees were going to have a stretch here where they weren't going to play well considering how torrid they were throughout May, June, and into the early part of July. But when we look at their record, of course they're fine in the East Even though the double digits have now slimmed to single digits, it's nine in the loss, nine and a half ahead of the Blue Jays. But over their last 25 games, the Yanks are nine and 16. And I don't want to hear from the Yankee fan that, oh, they're going to be fine, or, hey, look what they did last year where they rolled off a 12-game winning streak, I believe, from the latter part of August into September. But then after that, they went into a tailspin their own Selves and they didn't play well down the stretch, and we know what happened there in the wild card game against the Red Sox. So, yes, I think the Yankees will be fine, but you do have to be concerned here, knowing that the starting pitching isn't great. Now you trade away Montgomery, you bring in Montas. Montgomery shows you up for five innings there against your former team. Montas does not perform well in his first start. Garrett Cole is Mr. Unpredictability at this moment because you do not know what you're going to get here. And Jameson Tyon, talk about flip of a coin. Severino, is he going to come back at all? Who knows? The Yankee pitching staff is on fumes at this moment. And we all know you cannot go deep into October without having a solid pitching staff. So that's something we'll have to keep an eye on here. As for the Central, that is going to be a battle royale, as I've said, between the Twins, Guardians, and White Sox. And give it up to the Guardians. They won two out of three 
against the Astros over the weekend, including the back two. So credit to Francona and company for the job that he's done this year to keep their team afloat. And the White Sox played a little bit better, but still a far cry from what we've expected them to do. I expect them to go to the World Series and win a division by 100 games. And (laughs) that is going to be so far from the truth, it's not even funny. And then obviously the Astros, who, as I mentioned, losing those two games, but are in good stead in the AL West. And as far as the wild card goes, I'll stick with the American League. The wild card, as we know, is going to be a bunch of teams for about two spots. And when we look at that here, currently the Blue Jays have the first wild card in the American League. They're two games ahead of both Tampa and Seattle, although Seattle is a game behind on the loss, but they're tied with Tampa leading by percentage points. And then you have the Guardians, who are two back, tied with the Orioles, also two back of the final wild card spot. Then you have the White Sox three back and then the Red Sox five back. So the Red Sox are in a heap of trouble and they're going to have to turn it around fast. As I mentioned before, they will play the Yankees in Boston this coming weekend. And then they have the Braves with a quick two-game series starting tomorrow at Fenway. So interesting stretch. Not an easy schedule for the Red Sox. Who knows? By this time next week, the Red Sox could still be in the thick of the wild card or they could be bye-bye for 2022. So... We'll certainly pay attention to that. And then in the National League, remember the Braves when they had a six-game lead? Or at the, I think it was six and a half as of this time last week. Well, now they're three and a half ahead of San Diego, who has the last spot or the final spot in the National League wildcard race. The Phillies are in between sandwiched. They're just a half game ahead of the Padres. Two in the loss. So it'll be interesting to see the Braves and Phillies which I believe they have a couple more series left. And if you recall, the Phillies won two out of three two weeks ago. And then last week, the Phillies and Braves split two down in in Atlanta. So something we'll keep an eye on. In fact, they're three games behind the Braves. I got that mixed up. Two in the loss, but three back. And then the Padres are a half game back, but just two in the loss. So that's something you have to keep in mind. And then you have the Brewers, who, as we know, falling out of favor in the NL Central, now part of the wild card mix where the Cardinals were pretty much a wild card team over the last few weeks. So now with the Brewers, a game and a half back, but have three games in hand because they are tied with 50 losses as the same that the Padres have. So even though that they do have the advantage there, the Padres with that last playoff spot, the Brewers do have those three games in hand. And a game and a half back where the Giants are six and a half back. And we could pretty much X out the Giants for the wild card as of right this moment. Let's see if they have a run in them. I don't think they will. When you put it in perspective, the Giants record is 53 and 55. They had 55 losses all of last year. And nobody expected them to even come close to what they did last year to this year. As we all know, every year is different. But that's all you need to know about the Giants this year. And I think that they're going to be out of the wild card mix, if not already, at some point in the next week or so. So that brings you up to speed on what's happening in baseball, and we'll continue to keep our eyes on that. In fact, let me just peek at the schedule real quick, because you do have a big series in Baltimore, and that's going to be the highlight of the early part of the week, where the Blue Jays will go into Baltimore the first of four games tonight. 
So this is the Orioles' season right here because, as we know, Toronto is ahead of them in the wild card race, obviously ahead of them in the division. And just like I mentioned when they play Tampa coming out of the All-Star break, they have to win minimum three out of four. Splitting a series is not going to cut it for the Orioles as you get deeper into this season. If they win three out of four, they will gain two games ahead in the division. Now, granted, they won't catch the Blue Jays because the Blue Jays, I believe right now, are five games ahead of the Orioles as we speak. But they'll inch closer to them in the division. They'll inch closer in the wild card. It does depend on what Seattle does. It does depend on what the Guardians do and the White Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. But this is a big series for the Orioles. Let's see what they could do this upcoming week in these first of four games against the Blue Jays. Besides that, you want to say Minnesota and the Dodgers, two teams that are in first place? Eh, if you want to throw that out there, you can. But that's a series that I'm not going to pay too much attention to. But let's see what the Twins do because obviously they have to continue to hold the fort there in their division in order to stave off both the Guardians and White Sox. Other than that, I mentioned about the Braves and Red Sox. Nothing else to really tickle your fancy when it comes to the sport. Mariners and Yankees, that we'll pay attention to because we'll see what Cole does. We'll see what the Yankees do if they could snap their five-game losing streak. That is what you have there in baseball as we will continue to keep everyone abreast of what's happening with these pennant races down the stretch as the season gets that much more intriguing here in Major League Baseball. Now, as I take off my baseball cleats to put on the football cleats, we have an exhibition season that's underway. Thursday night, the Hall of Fame game. Did yours truly watch? Absolutely not. Not one snap, not one iota. You couldn't pay me to watch any of these exhibition games. And I understand people are going to say, come on, Jay Reel, stop being the old cranky man. It is football. NFL is back. No, it's not. If you watch that game for 10 minutes, God bless you. I could say 10 seconds, but I won't go as far as saying that. But after the first series when the starters are out, I don't even know if the starters played. I'm sure for NBC, they probably wanted to get at least one series out of Derek Carr and Trevor Lawrence. But after that, what are you watching? I'd rather watch paint dry because these games, again, they're unwatchable. It is not NFL football. And... You could try to sell it to me. You could say whatever it is that you want. Even last year, the Hall of Fame game was Pittsburgh and Dallas. I watched one series by the Steelers in the first quarter. It was late in the first quarter. They were driving. I believe they kicked a field goal. And even then, I wasn't ecstatic or I wasn't, all right, I'm pumped up. I'm ready to go. Got my snacks, cold beer. No, 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 please, no. One more time, people. Wake me up September 11th when the season starts. I know it's September 8th. Rams, Bills. But come week one, when it really kicks off, I'll be there. Other than that, I'm not wasting my time. And if you think I watched the 2022 Hall of Fame class, I did not. And this isn't to dump ice-cold water on the players that were inducted, whether your name is Bryant Young who had a very emotional speech talking about his son, Leroy Butler of the 90s Packers teams, Tony Baselli. You could argue whether or not he's a Hall of Famer, but he has that Terrell Davis syndrome of not having a lengthy career. He was dominant for a short time, but because he wasn't 
a left tackle in the NFL for 10 seasons and was all pro six, seven, or eight times, to me, he's not a lock Hall of Famer. Richard Seymour, even Sam Mills, the dearly departed, these players were very good and had all pro seasons. But were they dominant, lock, that the minute the name rolls off the tongue, Hall of Famers, they are not. And it's not a knock on the player. To be a Hall of Famer, people, means you are the best of the best. As I've said before, it is not an insult not to be called a Hall of Famer. Because when you think of Hall of Fame, do I even need to go through the names? Butkus, Lawrence Taylor, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, Barry Sanders, Anthony Munoz, John Hanna, Reggie White. Uh, Please, those names right there, I could just stop. Are those players that I mentioned who were inducted this year anywhere close to those guys? They are not. I'm sorry. So let me get off my soapbox when it comes to that. A couple of things to discuss. If you're the Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams, are you concerned about your quarterback as he's dealing with an elbow issue that's become irritating? He actually had to get an injection for it. Even the coach, Sean McVay, said that it's a little bit abnormal for a quarterback, whatever that means. But from all the reports, and even from Stafford himself, he said that he's feeling pretty good. I'm sure he could feel better. But he's made a lot of the throws, even no-look passes. He does have a little bit of soreness, but I don't think it's going to keep him out of any games. Again, we still have four weeks on this Thursday before we raise the curtain on the season, so I would think between now and then... He'll be fine. Now, is it going to be an issue where it pops up every now and again or it doesn't seem to go away? I would like to know, in all seriousness, is the UCL, the dreaded ligament that may need Tommy John surgery, if it is partially torn or is it on its way out? Who knows? I'm sure the doctors have taken a look at that. But if I'm... Sean McVay, and of course the owner, Stan Kroenke, who just gave him an $165 million extension, I'd make sure he goes for an MRI right now. Because I could see it. Week one, week two, or even by week four, that sucker gets torn, and forget about it. The defense of the Ram Super Bowl championship is going to go out the window. So let's see how that shakes down throughout the course of training camp. And then you have a scenario in Cleveland We know about the Sean Watson. We talked about that a little bit on Thursday where the NFL now has appealed. Let's see how that process gets drawn out. I'm sure it's going to get dragged through the mud and then some as we approach the start of the season. And I'm sure we're not going to reach a verdict until then. So we'll discuss that when the time comes. But as far as Kareem Hunt wanting out of Cleveland, and I don't know why. Is he not getting enough reps? Is Nick Chubb being featured as the number one back where Kareem Hunt is getting scraps all of a sudden? Maybe he knows that the writing is on the wall. Maybe he feels he doesn't want to be a Robin to Chubb's Batman. Well, he asked out of Cleveland, and what the front office said is not so fast. So Kareem Hunt is going to have to deal with this unless he's going to pull a James Harden where he's going to start eating his way out of training camp to the point where they have no choice but to trade him somewhere else, and then he's going to have to get in shape on a new team 
who knows? The Browns, I'm not going to say they're in shambles, but we know the quarterback situation, they're not going to start off the year with Watson, and who knows for how long after that. And then now you have the situation with Hunt, which also could become a distraction to the team. So the Browns not getting off on the right foot the way they wanted to, considering they underachieved last year, and there were a lot of hopes going into this year, even with the new quarterback, and with the team that is, if Watson was there, could they compete for a Super Bowl? I'll say yes, they could. But with a loaded AFC, with Casey, Buffalo, the Ravens you think would bounce back, especially with a healthy Lamar Jackson. Of course, all the other teams in the AFC West, whether you're in Denver, the LA team with the Chargers. I know they're young, but you would think, how could you forget the Super Bowl champs? Although I think there's going to be a little bit of a hangover, but I'll get into that as we get closer to the NFL season. So that's what we have there with football. As there's not really much else to discuss, I'm not going to get into hard knocks, which I believe starts this week with the Lions. I know Dan Campbell, the coach, he's a guy you want to rally around. He's a guy that I'm sure you'd want to go through a brick wall. But am I going to be geeked up to watch hard knocks and what the Lions do? Listen, I hope they have a good year. I hope they improve this year. The Lions have been ugh, just been mired in mediocrity, and that's saying it lightly. We all know that they've been a moribund franchise for many years. They've had one playoff victory in the last, what, 40 years? So if any team, if there's any fortune that could be turned around for a franchise, we want to see the Lions do better. At least I do. I'm sure a lot of the teams don't care. But why not? Let the Lions have their shine. Let them at least incrementally get better here under second-year coach Dan Campbell. But am I going to be glued HBO 10 o'clock on Tuesday? As I believe that's when they usually air these episodes. And I probably won't even stream it. So that's how pumped up I am for Hard Knocks. And I'm sure they're going to do an in-season Hard Knocks as they did last year with the Colts. But that's all I got with the football people. Basketball's been quiet. I understand you have Brittany Griner. Maybe I should spend a minute on her. Griner, the verdict came down that she got nine years in a Russian prison for cannabis possession. And I even think they threw in distribution. All that is people. And right, we could look at that and say, oh, geez, it's terrible. It's this. And it is. I'm not going to make light of it. But considering that the rumor mill has the merchant of death, the guy who was selling arms to other countries to plot against the U.S., him being in a correctional facility in this country for 25 years. And, of course, they had to put a sentence on how long Griner was going to be for this cannabis possession. That is just to get this expedited to a possibility of her having to come home as well as the Marine, can't forget him, I believe Paul Whalen is his name. So by her pleading guilty, as if you recall a few weeks back, and this is a process that was pretty much going to be played out the way it has been, now they could maybe not get the ball rolling because it's all on Vladimir Putin and how he's going to see this through. He has all the cards. So even with this sentence, it doesn't automatically mean, all right, we could get Griner home before the holidays. Or, all right, now let's start negotiating. Or, no. This isn't a player transaction in the WNBA. 
We're talking about two countries that don't like each other and somebody who's leading one country that right now feels as if he's on top of the world and that whatever he does, it's his world and everybody else is paying rent, which is sad but true when you really think about it. So a little bit of a surprise when you look at the sentence, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not because this is how it was going to be in order for Griner to come home because there was no way that she was not going to come home without having to face a sentence and knowing that she had to plead guilty and all that. So it is literally a toss-up as to when this is all going to start to unfold and start to come to fruition to put a timetable on when Griner is going to be set to be released from Russia to come back to the United States. And of course, we'd have to send someone back, in particular, in all likelihood, it would be the Merchant of Death. So, we shall see there. But other than that, nothing really percolating in the NBA, nothing on Kevin Durant or Kyrie or the Nets, that's all been quieted as of right now. So who knows, I'm sure that's going to resurface and bubble to the surface at some point as we get deeper into the summer. Everything else is quiet. Three weeks from today is the U.S. Open, So we will have a tennis tournament, the final one of the calendar year. We'll see how that goes when we cross that bridge. But other than that, people, that is it. Here to open up the week. A lot of baseball sprinkled in, a little NFL, and some Brittany Griner. And there isn't much to talk about. Not going to get into college football just yet. Not going to get into anything else. Obviously, the tennis is down the road. So for those who stuck with me throughout and have tuned in week in, week out, episode by episode, thank you for stopping by. I appreciate you taking a chance to listen to me babble, spew with thoughts, opinions, analysis, critique, praise on anything and everything that's happening in the world of sports. And if you haven't done so, like I mentioned at the top, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on wherever you get your podcast. Throw me a few stars, write a review. Again, increasing the visibility of this podcast to those who aren't familiar with it. Take a snapshot or a screenshot of it. Send it to whomever, the sports fan in your life. Post it on social media. I'll make sure to repost that. Again, word of mouth, people. Get it out there 100%. One more time. I'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to hit me up with any questions, comments, suggestions, you could do so at the following. TikTok, the J Reels Podcast. Instagram, J Reels or the J Reels Podcast. Twitter, J Reels One, just a number. Facebook, the J Reels Podcast fan page, or the J Reels Podcast at gmail.com. Hit me up. I'll be more than happy to follow up with you guys and gals. Lastly, if you want to contribute to this endeavor, you could do so by going to www.patreon.com slash the J Reels Podcast. That's P as in Paul, A T as in Tom, R E O N as in Nancy. Whatever you want to put forth, sincerely, gratefully, appreciate. Not only just your time, but also your contribution. It will go 100% to this endeavor, to the upkeep of the website, which I plan to make some changes. And I've done some little tweaks here and there, not much. But now, as merchandise is going to be part of the mix, you definitely want to look on the website and also check my social media accounts for further updates. Also, the equipment, microphone, I'm planning to not do an overhaul, but to make this experience one for you to keep coming back, to be clear, concise, as I compete with all the others that are out there. 
Because whether you do or do not know, this is what I love to do, people. I've been doing this for 280 episodes strong, and I do not plan to go anywhere else. I love sports. I said this to my mom the other day in a discussion with her. Sports, probably since in the womb, but for certain, out of the womb, it's in the blood, it's in the DNA, and I'm here to stay. I love to critique, praise, question, wonder, analyze, even overanalyze at times on anything and everything that happens on the world of the diamond, ice, gridiron, hardwood, golf course, racetrack, tennis court, boxing ring, octagon, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, directed, and full effect. From the South Bronx to Southeast to South Central to South Pacific and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. And until next time on the J Reels podcast, on the flip, baby. <laughs>